Hello and welcome to Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Anthony Mako. And I'm Brandon Sharp. This week, we are talking about Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest may be a bit of a sunspot in my vision. That is to say, it was hugely publicized to me and to a specific group of people. But I'm still just not quite sure how many people even know it exists. Let me start here. Mythic Quest is an Apple TV Plus original, and it was one of Apple TV's original originals. Apple TV started releasing original content in November of 2019. Was the coronavirus one of those bits of original content designed by one of the richest companies in the world to make people sit at home and consume the content of a new streaming service? I guess we'll never know, he said while removing his aluminum hat. Anyway, Mythic Quest was in the first wave of Apple TV+, Plus, airing just a couple months later in February of 2020. It was created by Charlie Day, Megan Gans, and Rob McElhinney of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame, among some other things now. But unlike Sunny, Rob is the only one that also stars in this show. And there we have a couple of big connections. I think it's probably a pretty big crossover between fans of Apple who are ready to adopt their new streaming service and fans of It's Always, in, it's Always Sunny in Philadelphia who are ready to buy into some new content from their creators. However, while that crossover might be related, I'm not sure that sample size is huge. There are people that love Mythic Quest, and there are a whole lot more people who have never even heard of it. Mythic Quest is a comedy about a fictional video game company. It pokes fun at how their overblown imaginations match their overblown eagle, <laughs> overblown egos, which rage against their overblown inferiority complexes. It's also shots fired to all sides of the political and cultural spectrum. Brandon, I think we represent both sides of these groups I was talking about. I was ready to love it from the beginning, and I'm not sure you'd ever heard of it. So let's talk about Mr. Quest, which is an homage from a big fan of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast. They call it Mr. Quest on there. Uh, just to make, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Brandon, let's dive in. Real quick. Yes. I remember way back, you. I think this was one of your recommendations from a while ago. Yeah. Back, yep. when, back when we used when, to do When we did that. Yeah. Back when we used to do that. And I remember one of the things you said specifically was Charlie Day's involved, although he's done nothing for the show. Yep. They, they constantly make jokes. See, the funny thing is I know way more about this show than a lot of other shows because I listen to the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast. And because that's something that Me Megan's on that, and so is Rob and Charlie okay. also, they sometimes talk about it. And so I, I know a lot about it. But yeah, Charlie was sort of unclear how much, but he was a part of the original basically idea. Like, what if we had a show about this? I got you. And he really hasn't done anything since, or at least that's what he says on the podcast. He's not involved in any way at all, uh, but he's still <laughs> always, because he was there at the very beginning, he's always credited as a creator of the show. I got you. Okay. That makes yeah, sense. So kind of an interesting relationship. And then Megan, just to be clear, I know we've talked about her before because obviously, I mean, just to draw the connection, Rob is um, Wrexham and Megan is married to Humphrey, who's the ex uh, for executive something at, at Wrexham. Um, and, but Megan also was a writer on Sunny, but she's way more involved now in mythic quests. I she's, gotcha. uh, she, but she's very involved in Sunny still too. So, it's just like a nice little community they have going on and they still kind of work together a lot. And that has a lot to do with uh, mythic quest. I did. Yeah. I did see Humphrey pop up um, at one point. I don't know if I was watching season one or if it was early season two, but he popped up as like this big macho uh, and really yeah. made, uh, yeah. Made Ian kind of feel inferior at one point. It was, it was a good little two or three episode trope they were in, but I saw him pop up. Yeah, that's awesome. So let me rewind to this. Where um, Had you even heard of this before no. I brought it up? Okay, yeah, so <laughs> nope. that's interesting. Not at all, which this is something that should be on my radar, I feel like. So I don't know why. Sure. Well, I, so I have been public sort about my dislike of the Prime interface uh, mm -hmm. on Prime Video interface on, well, TV at least, uh, how it's really hard to find your show that you're watching. Uh, I do think Apple might be just a, a step away from that. And the reason why is because Apple's interface, they try and include way too much stuff in it. 
I get, and, yeah, yeah I get very frustrated when these platforms include things that you can buy. Oh, it's for like, sure. It's like they fold in iTunes and then Prime folds in all of Amazon. Yep. What I'm not poking around here looking for things to buy. I will search right. for that if I want right. to literally rent. I don't know. It's I guess renting something is a little different if you have like early access to it. But showing me all of the Amazon library or all of iTunes yep. next to it just does it. It's it does make it very very clunky. And I've got a. You know, my kids lot watch all the Charlie Brown stuff, which is on Apple TV plus. Yeah. And I've got to flip through like 14 pages to, fi- to, to yeah. find, it. I've got to track it down every time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It is frustrating for sure. Um, it, the one thing I'll give Apple TV over prime is that you never have trouble finding what you were watching recently. It'll, you know, here's what you've been watching. Pick it up, pick it sure. back up. The, the, the downside that prime actually doesn't have a problem with is at least so I use Apple TVs for everything. Uh-huh. So, uh, or as far as TV goes, I do. And so I, everything is filtered through an Apple device. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is the way for everybody using Apple TV, but all, and also I'm a, a, a cable cutter. So I don't, I, everything is an app that I open. And so on your Apple TV, you can connect all those devices to Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be like, pick this up that you were watching in this. It's, it's like tries to include everything you watch anywhere, which is yeah. kind of exhausting. And it doesn't have a great interface for like, okay, your Apple TV originals, um, that you pick those back up, but it, yeah. it's not hard to find. And I say that because it's not hard to find what you have been watching, but I do think it's often hard to find new things unless they're like shrinking or Ted Lasso, which they're just like, Hey, we're throwing it all into this. Like mm-hmm. it's, you're going to run yeah. into it. I promise. Yes. Um, but they're not, they didn't do that with mythic quest. So I just think that was probably why people had a hard time finding it. But th- I also think like what I mentioned is probably legitimate where, I was an, I'm a massive Apple fan. So any, I know what's coming out with Apple. I know devices coming and everything to do with Apple. I know what's coming out. Yeah. Cross that with, I'm a big fan of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And so I, you know, I knew it was coming before it was even announced or whatever. And then if you're not either of those two things, I think you're going to have a hard time finding it. Yeah. I, I want to say I'm uh, probably not as big of a Apple person as you are, but I'm, I'm I've never seen an episode of it's always sunny. So yeah, I'm all the way removed from that. I want to say that was probably the X factor. If you know, I what, mean, what be, was? being tied into the, it's always sunny universe sure. yeah. was probably the biggest, biggest thing there because I don't know. I just, I never, I literally never saw anything for this ever. Well, there are similar things about it's always sunny, but it's not, like it's almost sunny. That's not like, what I mean. I mean you being uh, you listening to the podcast, you watching the yeah, show, yeah. you being tied in with those people probably gave you a head up, a heads up, like on when the show was coming more so than absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I probably saw a tweet or something. That's how I found out yeah. about it. Um, there we go. But yeah, it's, it's worth mentioning. Like, I don't think you would necessarily like it's always. I don't think you would like it's always sunny. Yeah. I. Uh, but I was more likely to recommend this cause it's, it's quite, it's a fair amount different. It's just a whole different mm-hmm. thing. There's sometimes you have a similar spirit, but it's not, it's, it's, a, it's very different than it's always sunny. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what sort of show do we feel like this is? Yeah. So I think it's a, it's definitely a comedy, but I think it even almost drifts over into my comedy wheelhouses is, which is like the comedy with heart. Yeah. Tagline that I like to throw with throw in with a few things but it has some heartfelt episodes which um i think gives it a leg up on just like a regular sitcom uh, for me at least it's not a, it's not a dark comedy i mean this is pretty lighthearted. No, yeah not i mean there could be some satire in there a little bit but um i think it's just a, a pretty straightforward comedy with some heartfelt stuff it didn't occur to me until for whatever reason it didn't occur to me till this show and I think there's some other shows we've talked about that we could lop into this category if we were to create a new category, but this, there might be a category for something like existential comedy. Um, and if you went to the most extreme version of that, it would be like an I heart Huckabee's like, uh, existential comedy 
would be Ihar Huckabee's would be the epitome of it or, or, um, yeah. So, but this isn't that interesting, but something that sort of pokes fun at ego and life questions and all these things, um, as one of the primary targets, um, relationships of something like that. I think there's other shows that we could like, you might be able to call Fleabag an existential comedy. It's also a dark comedy as well. And this is not also a dark comedy. Yeah. But there's an existential nature to the, to the fun it's poking. It's, it's a, it, and maybe you could also add maybe like, I don't know how you would say something's not about the human experience, but it's like, this is very much about the human experience. Um, and there's a juxtaposition of obviously with, with the subject matter, there's a juxtaposition of technology against like uh, uh, being heavily involved in technology and then the human experience, like it it does a really good job playing back and forth on that. Um, so I, Hmm. I don't know, we don't have to create a new category, but I think there's probably something about that where, um, and you could maybe loop in shrinking or something like that into like existential comedy, although it's total nothing alike. But yeah, that, yeah. That might be one of the elements of it or something like that. Uh, did any, any of that make any sense or do anything for you? I think it actually raised more questions in my head than uh, answers. I, um, That's how I roll. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I now I'm now I'm banging around trying to think of any more existential comedies that I may have watched um, or something that could be kind of folded into that category. Um, I like that any, though. That's that's anything, inter- that's anything an interesting. to do with Bill Murray or. Uh, you know, the, those are all like existential type. Yeah. What? Oh, uh, Royal Tenenbaums. And, yeah, well, so, uh, so you've, you're naming the the movie maker. He's Wes Anderson. Yeah, the, yeah. I think a lot of a lot of Wes Anderson stuff would be in yeah. that category. Yeah. Yes. Some of those sure. might even be called existential comedies, but they're movies, and maybe that hasn't made the leap over to TV yet. I'm not gotcha. sure. Anyway, uh, we're getting very existential right that's now. fine so let's love it. cut that out love it um okay uh let's uh how about characters this show has great characters um who i'll start with the simple question which is who stands out to you oh in a good way or a bad way pick well, one just pick in one. either way just pick one good let's start with the good okay i really do like ian's character i think what uh, i think one thing that i like that he's you know the, it, this is rob McElhenney's character. I think one thing I do like is there's a very clear front that he's always putting on, but it's like, it's, it's always a house of cards. Like, yes, you just poke it a little bit and it kind of crumbles. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I find that uh, he's very transparent, even though he tries to be macho. And uh, I just think it's a very complex character. Um, there's uh, if you feel, feel free to jump in here. Don't let me uh, run away with this thing. No, sure. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. The CW character is yep. super funny. Yep, very funny. Irreverent, says stuff that people shouldn't be laughing at anymore. But sure, I mean, he he would be your favorite because he's, yeah. Why why me? Because you like that kind of humor. You like the, you like poking fun at, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to put you in a box. No, no, do I, it now I'm not at, saying, at this point. I'm not saying you're not, at all woke, but you like poking fun at wokeisms. Sure. Yeah. Or yeah. Pro- yeah. Or super progressive. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So he does that. He's all, real funny though. I mean, he's kind of, he's super old fashioned. So he's like not right. up on the, yeah, you can't say that anymore. Yeah. What? Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's, yeah. it really comes across and, uh, and tickles me a little bit. I find, and here I go again, right after the females, but I find the character of Joe, um, something she sets my teeth on edge yeah well I mean, and you're texting, gonna and you're gonna say she's supposed to i know i'm not yeah right you're is that what you're gonna say she's supposed well, yeah, to yeah because i that's what i said to you the other day when yeah you text me that again she's acting it well jesse jesse ennis she's acting it exactly the way she's supposed to um but i think i think in a workplace environment you know people like this and so it's, it's over the not, top, but yeah, sure. Well, sure, but everybody in this show is over the top. So you don't actually, yeah, they're all the most extreme version of someone you know. But also she, I know people that I've worked with that are like her. Um, so <laughs> Name them, please. 
I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but she's just very much like people I've worked with. And so, like, like uh, there's always one or something like that in every office. And yes, she's the most extreme example, but um, always trying to Uber impress the boss and make others look terrible be- by way of impressing the boss, just like all these things, but then just like r- living life on tent. Like, yeah, I know people like that. So I would say the cast overall is pretty likable. Oh yeah. I like the cast. I think, I think you're right. They're all over the top versions of this person in a real workplace. Yeah. Uh, David Hornsby plays David Brittlesby. And I saw him, I've seen him on another show and I did not like him on that other show, Oh, but he's won me over since then. I, I, li- I like his character now because I don't know. I just, he strikes me like it hits me the right way. Usually when yeah. he's really leaning into something. He uh, is, by the way, on, he's from, it's always sunny. He's, okay. well, he plays a minor role. First of all, he's a writer on sunny, but he's also his cricket on sunny. So, okay. Brad, uh, the guy from community, he's really good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good, a lot of good characters here. A lot of good actors here. Um, I'm only going to do this to you three times in this episode. Here's number one. Okay. If you like Brad in this show. Okay, here we go. You are getting 5% of him. He is a million times better in community community. He's great in this. He's great in this show. 5%. Isn't that probably, I probably want the 5% version, right? If I want, if I wanted the hundred percent version. No, no, no. He's not like Brad. I'm just saying the character. I know what you're saying. He's better in in community. In community is just so good. He is so good in community. He is unreal in community. He's, he's phenomenal, but also he's good in this, but he's phenomenal, uh, in community. So it's worth mentioning. I, so you did not mention Poppy. No, I, and I was, I love Poppy. So I think the women are written almost, uh, I don't want to. Here we go. I don't want to use a terrible word here. I just want to say it like that. It's just, it's just, they're very like hot and cold on the writing for the women. I think, I think some of the episodes are written. The women are written very well. And I think some of them is like, Oh my gosh, they all took crazy pills. You know, they're writing them. So like, it was like a super, like they were just big spazzes in a couple episodes. Uh, Well, I mean, I I think you'd have to get a little more specific. Sure. Cause I think Poppy is written so well through the entire series and some of that is her her it's not just it, it i should we should leave the female realm because it's not just because she's a female it's also because she's a programmer and because of who like her specific job but her her struggle is the 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 yang to ion's yin of his is overconfidence hers is underconfidence and so they they move like this together and and ebb and flow together and i think she's written so so well and i just i really really like poppy even when poppy tries to be assertive and goes over the top because she doesn't know how to be assertive i think that's it, what i'm seeing right now like so yeah. so full disclosure again brandon once again has not made it all the way through I tried my best because I was really, really enjoying myself. I'm see- I think I'm seeing that where I'm, where I'm at currently in the season. I think I'm yeah. seeing some of that play out what you're describing right now. Right. So, well, and, but, but, and that kind of, that kind of goes on back and forth a bit, but you know, where Ian needs some humility in his life. Sure. Uh, she needs some confidence and then he might get too humble at certain points uh, and, and she'll get too overblown in her confidence or something like that. Um, and so they're just learning. That's, that's the existential part of it. They're learning how to be who they are. I really. think though, the, the show is written to where I, I really feel like they want you to identify the most with Ian, or is that just who I'm naturally identifying with? Oh, I, I wouldn't actually think so. I actually think there's someone you can identify with in the cast. So more like I a Rorschach, think, less like, yes. a like a, I think a so. true hero. Okay. So I think Ian is cool, but I don't identify with him at all. Well, let me uh, like personify, uh, like put myself in the show. Um, like you, you feel their feelings the most. 
Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you, you yeah, do that yeah. with most shows. I, I feel myself feeling Ian's feelings the most, if that makes okay. any yeah, sense yeah. at all. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so a character like Joe, when she goes all power hungry, she, you know, drives me crazy yeah. a little more. And um, Poppy, even though I want to like uh, build her up and um, encourage her, I also kind of want her to stay in her place and do what she's good at. I know that that doesn't sound great, but like, that's how the the show is kind of writing some of these situations. Yeah, totally. I think that's, that's a, one of the questions of the show. Is, yeah, I, uh, I got it. I, I mean, I fell right into it, which, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll admit, and I'll, you know, say that it was a, a good, like thought exploration for me. So something funny about the characters in the show is if you happen to be fan, a fan of the right shows, this show has massive stars and then unknown actors. Does uh-huh. that, pan out pretty well now to you it actually probably was mostly unknown actors yeah, yeah well, i mean and honestly if it hadn't been for well like um <clears throat> cw's character f murray abraham he was sure. in um homeland he was one of the big one of the big guys and on homeland he's been in a few things that i've seen but other than that i mentioned david hornsby and then rob McElhenney. if i hadn't seen Wrexham, i wouldn't have known him at all yeah right so i would say mostly um, mostly unknown for me. Sure. Well, and but I think one of the things though with that is like the people from Sonny, like David Hornsby is not huge in Sonny. He plays this, well, <laughs> whenever I go to like explain something from Sonny, it's like <laughs> impossible to explain the whole thing because number one, it's been like 16 seasons. So like David Hornsby is cricket and he starts off as a regular guy they went to high school <clears> with and then he becomes homeless and then he becomes like a drug addict and then he becomes a uh, priest and then also, but it's, that's a lot of <laughs> yeah. stuff. Well, they have to do all sorts of different stuff anyway. So, but he's just a very memorable, yeah. the, the, the gang always messes with him and his life is horrible because he knows them. And so he's a very memorable character. Um, and so, and Rob is obviously a memorable character in Sonny too. So if you're fans of those shows, um, I can't really ask you cause you haven't, you're not, and you haven't seen them, but I actually think both of them in particular do a pretty good job popping out of that universe and actually becoming these new characters. And the, I mean, they go, the funny thing is currently they're going back and forth between that universe. So it's, uh, they do a pretty good job. I, when I'm watching them in this, I think of them in this. And when I'm watching them in sunny, I think of them in, in a sunny way. Doesn't it feel like it's always sunny should be cycling down. Sure. But why it just feels like it's been long enough. What what's you don't even watch it. I know. And it feels, and it feels like it's been long enough. Okay. But what do you care? People are still talking about it around me. Okay. Well, if people talk like about it, we should be talking about something else now. Why? Because it's, it's talked out. Uh, well, I mean, this is not a question I really have, but for this episode, I love, love, love when friends who are growing in friendship are successful with something and they continue to do it just because they're so good together creatively. Like why do they have to break up just because it's quote unquote time to break up? I, I, I love it. I, I would stick, I, I think I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like why wouldn't the care, the people from arrested development still be working together on a pretty regular basis or, um, so you're saying that it's always sunny has been excellent. This, I mean, whole, this whole time it does what it's supposed to do okay it's it's really really funny okay all right it's not and it's no deeper than any of that <laughs> it's like so it in does, your mind seinfeld should still be going on absolutely okay i'm just yeah i'm trying to gauge this with something i'm a little more familiar with absolutely yeah jerry seinfeld and larry david should still be writing a show together no doubt they made gold and they did it for nine years. And like, why was I it just, just am more uh, in the school of thought that things kind of have their time. And I think you should kind of go out when you're on top, instead of seeing it uh, spiral into the earth. You know, I don't know. I just, I think, I don't know. I think things kind of have their time and they should know when to, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying Sonny is past its time. I just, cause I, I would have no way of knowing when that sure, would be. Right. I'm just saying, I think that, you know, things kind of, people should know when things have run their course. And I think it's a very graceful way 
to end a show. You know? Well, you're, yeah, but now you're talking about something different. I have no problem with that. I just don't think like, I, and I, I'm, I'm conceding, that, I'm conceding that if you're saying Sonny is still as good as it's always been and it's still relevant and it's still really fun, all those things are true, then yeah, absolutely. Okay. Can I say like five things to back that up though? Basically, number one, I'm not saying it's the best or ever was the best show on TV. Do you find yourself like chomping at the bit for the next episode? Like every time it comes out, like you're ready to rock and roll and watch it. Yeah. Okay. To laugh. I okay. know it's going to be funny. Okay. But all it is, like I said, all it is, is just stupid, funny, dumb, 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 funny. But like it's the, it's always sunny podcast is probably one of my favorite podcasts still. And th- mm. that's just them talking about the show I've already seen. Yeah. They just are brilliant together. They're hilarious together. And it's literally, you're literally just talking about Rob and Charlie and Glenn, who's not involved in this show, but also Megan too. Now, like, okay. Megan has an infectious laugh that I like listening to on the podcast. Like it's just, they, they all work really well together and they're, they, the way they make it's, it's, it's like best friends from your whole life. It's, it's, you know, they, you're just feel like you're a part of the gang and it, it just works. So why would, you know, why stop that? It just, it has a nostalgic feel. It's funny. Okay. And they're not, they're not, try, they're not trying to win anything or doing it. Nobody respects what they do and that nobody cares if they, you know, it's just like, why would you stop just because that's time? And if they want to stop, that's fine. If they stopped, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. If you don't, if you don't feel like you have anything else, certainly just, don't drag it on. I think when I hear television and 16 seasons, law and order comes to mind. NCIS comes to mind. And it's like, there's no way that thing has been good for six or for however many plus seasons. Yeah. That, a completely different show. though. I agree. I agree. I'm just saying that's what comes to mind when I think about that. Like they, sure, they have been propping that show up far, oh, too, far too long. Yeah, you're talking about some of the most popular shows still on TV. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and I mean, and, and <laughs> <laughs> like un unbelievably true. How like that statement is unbelievably true, and I don't know why. I don't know why. Of course, of course, I don't know why Especially either. Especially in in the age of netflix and all this amazing content how shows like ncis are still is still doing i mean i guess it's like do you want i just don't get it do you want uh whoever's cooking in your house to be out there experimenting or do you want the old the favorites you know (laughs) you you like the meal i like i like cooking in my own house okay well you, we should probably move on a little bit. Yeah, we, <laughs> yes, we're not even talking about the show. We're talking about <laughs> okay. How okay? Let's talk story. Uh, let's talk story. How's the story feel to you? Yeah, I think one thing I like about this show is it does have an overarching story to it. Yes, yeah, and sure. it does. Like you're ready to find out what happens in the next episode. I think that's where sitcoms lose me. Yep, there's nothing tying episode four to episode six, you know, five doesn't tie four to six in any way. It just, they're just kind of all, they could be four could actually be episode 14. You know, this does have a story that moves, um, progressively. And I really, I really enjoy the way it moves along. And, um, I don't know the, the episodes just feel like a good length. They're they're They are really funny. And, um, I think the writing is particularly, uh, good also. It is really good writing. Yes, I agree. Really good dialogue. Yeah. Um, the one thing in this area, I can ding it really fast. The only thing I would, I would ding it for is it's a bit of a, it's been a bit of an up and down on the same problem. And I, you may not even be there yet. Uh, sort of idea where I'm just a little farther than you in the show. And okay. so like the same problems are starting to recycle. Hmm. Especially between Poppy and Ian. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. But it's it's the same issue that comes back. Especially, I think, especially in this most recent season, the same issue comes back, and and which is not unexplainable. It totally makes sense that it would come back. Sure. I don't know that I need to be sitting there watching it happen again. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's probably the only thing I could ding. But otherwise, like dialogue wise, just really mm-hmm. good, real snappy, very very funny. But but with great depth too. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think um, I think the characters have a, like plenty to do in an episode too. Uh-huh. I, I don't ever feel like someone's just hanging around. I just went through a big spurt of episodes where um, the CW character was just not there, but he was like he was remote a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he was. I didn't know if that was an actual problem they had with F. Murray Abraham or yeah, I have no idea. Something was going on there, but I thought it, like they worked it out really well. Like it actually kind of played up for some humor a couple times. Mm-hmm. So I thought that, that that worked out well. Um, so yeah, I just I feel like the characters are all kind of growing, also growing together. Um, if yeah. I remember right, the that may have been during COVID well, and it, when it that? feels like that's what happened. Like they all yeah. came back to work and he just didn't come back yet. He's just a little older. So maybe he wasn't comfortable coming back yet. And that's exactly how it felt to me. I didn't know if that yeah. was the case though. Okay. So Brandon, we've said that the key to this show is the heart behind sort of the zaniness or the insanity going on. How is there balance between heart and comedy? You can tell the characters care about each other. And mm-hmm. I think that's what all that's birthed from. Like there's a, um, there's like a, it's not just a workplace relationship. The characters, yeah. the characters, there's, there's depth there. And so you can like rib a character and then have a heartfelt moment with, with yeah. you just like, you can tell there's real relationships going on in these workplaces. Like all the best shows have both elements and if you can do both that shows depth you know in in a relationship i think that's the way you know that's the way it really works here you know it's funny i was thinking about this today it is west wingy in that way Mm -hmm. it's like a workplace drama that has a genuine care for uh each other within the workplace so yeah yeah uh, yeah as i was thinking about this quick i I think their balance is is pretty good um because especially within the context of, of a tech company. It's just like, um, we know even more than a tech company, it's a video game company. So uh-huh. it's like, we know that the, some of the drama within the office is sort of artificial. It's like, this isn't like you're feeding hungry people with this company. It's like, uh, no, you are not. That yeah, is true. Not to rip on video games, but yeah. Um, so speaking of video games, the animation in this show is pretty, I think it's pretty incredible, especially, um, and, and often it comes in like, uh, maybe 10 second chunk, like as so a transitional moment or something. You're talking like about the cutscenes, then, right? Sure. Yep. Yep. So those are great. Those, those cutscenes are, are really great. In fact, it makes me wish this game was real. I'll tell you that. Totally. Um, yeah, I, totally. I'm trying to figure out cause it's not the same thing as like incorporating animation or cgi into a show it is literally like a video they're playing but the graphics are insane um well i do i think it's i think it's probably meant to mimic like the narrative aspect of a video game yeah so like where it cuts away in a video game yeah and you're not controlling anymore you just watch something for a second and then it kind of i think it's meant to mimic that because those cutscenes are so much higher quality oh, yeah. than when you see the game on the show or whatever. Sure. Uh, but um, do you, <laughs> it just, I always think about it. Is it worth spending? The, that's got to cost an insane amount, amount of money to develop these 10 second clips that go in between scenes. Is it worth the money? Does it enhance the experience? Does it put you in the right universe or what? <sighs> I mean, it's definitely cool, man. It is it's, definitely cool. It's definitely cool. I will say, I know they do reuse clips from other games from real games. Oh, um, do they? Okay. I it, I can't say that they do it all the time and I don't know that they do it with those cut scenes, but um I just saw a scene where Ian was pitching his new expansion and oh. it was all of these mashed up clips from real games and I wouldn't have known it except one of the games in there I had played Horizon Zero Dawn and it was the main character writing um like riding a horse or something anyway. So I, I, I don't know that they do it for everything, but they have reused some things. Obviously they got permission to do it. Sure. Um, that is, that's interesting though. I didn't know. So for all I know, a lot of those could be I, recycled video games. I games. would be shocked if the cutscenes were, weren't original content. They would almost have to okay. be. 
Yeah. Um, and that is, th- those are the things we're specifically talking about and, and they do look great. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I don't know as far as like, I, I'm, I know more about like, you know, CGI and, and, and like practical effects. I don't know how much yeah. it is. It would be to like develop to uh, animate something yeah. like that. I don't, I don't know. It does seem like it wouldn't be cheap for sure. Yeah. Uh, and that I know in season two, I don't know. I think it started in season two. They started doing it multiple times an episode. Yeah. Um, and man, yes, I want to play that game. I want to play mythic quest for sure. This show has a, a style that has become a lot more popular recently. Um, and it's sort of like bottle episodes, but it's not bottle episodes in the sense that it uh, is in one location or you know something small like that. But what they'll do is they'll cut away and do it's a very Atlanta esque. It's uh-huh. yeah. uh, yes. cut away and do like a skit in a different universe almost. I mean, it's related to the story. Um, it, it, in this case, it'll break off from the main show and tell this completely different story. Sometimes it's someone's backstory, sometimes not. Um, and like uh, just to give you an example, there's um, episode with jake johnson in it yep. that's the backstory of someone and and there's an episode you haven't seen which was one of my favorite from the most recent um ep- the most recent season which is ian and poppy's childhood stories which is mm. it's my favorite episode from this season it's a beautiful episode um but so how did those work out for you as a especially in this case as opposed to the character in the present time telling the story from the past um what is uh what's what's the guy that you keep bringing up? I, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. CW. CW. CW's backstory. Did, have you seen that episode? I skipped it. Here, let me, let me say, here. Oh, that one. That one's really good too. Okay. I'll watch it, but let me tell you something I hate. Let me tell you something I hate. I hate when shows have a cliffhanger and uh, then, and then they do a flashback episode. I yep. hate that. For sure. So something big happened and then they did two episodes on CW. Yeah. And I was like, not watching that. Cause at this point I was like, I need to burn through as much as I can. Sure. I was like, not watching that, not watching that because it was actually like a flashback CW episode and then a present day CW episode mm-hmm. back to back. Right. I was like, Nope, Nope. Give me that third one because I need to know what happened with the cliffhanger. Right. Anyway, the flashback CW episode I liked a lot too. But. I'll definitely go back and watch it. I'm loving this show. So, you know, I have no reason not to. So what, what this show does well as it pertains to um, bottle episodes, um, they will tie them into the main story, yeah, which exa- yeah, Atlanta never did that. So sometimes, I th- Oh, okay. Well, I can't think of not, an example. So I certainly, yeah. Anyways, I felt like, they they had the bottle episode and then the next episode they told you why they showed you all that mm-hmm. the episode before yep with with mythic quest and i so i felt like okay that serves a purpose to me yeah you're not just exploring an idea taking a break from the story to explore an idea that to me is it's not my favorite thing i think it's a little careless um honestly mm-hmm. with uh with the viewer's attention so I think Mythic Quest is is doing it the right way. They're at they're they're adding in backstory. In fact, the one episode is called backstory, but they're mm-hmm. adding in backstory to you know to thick to thicken things up. Yeah, uh, they're not just like taking a break from the normal story just to you know just to do it. So, yeah, and in most cases, it would be sort of the the character in present day, like CW, telling you a telling his coworkers a story from the past. And you might have flashbacks as opposed to just like going there fully, seeing the whole thing and then yeah. just kind of referencing it again. It's an interesting tactic, which I think works out pretty well for them. Um, yeah. So um, does this show represent the peak of the mountain of sort of making nerddom? And I use that term affectionately, but nerdum cool. Uh, like it's the final evolution of shows like Silicon Valley and community shows that also like attempted to make nerddom cool. Um, th- does it feel like we're finally balanced sort of cause I, because I think in life we are balanced in, in real life. So it is now peak cool to run a tech company sort of. And so mm-hmm. 
uh, when, especially when like Silicon Valley was going on and you try and pretend like all these people are like just overly nerdy, that was difficult because you knew in real life, like you were surrounded by tech people who were not antisocial like that, you know, is it fine if we get nitty gritty here for a moment? Yeah. In like that aspect. Yeah. So a couple things. One, I don't think gaming is nerdy. I think it's become much more acceptable and um uh it's it's just a it's a cooler thing now. Oh, potentially it, sure for, than for it sure. used to be. Okay. But I'm also talking that's not about my whole that's not my whole point though. Two Would you I like think, me not to interrupt you? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, take it how you will. But <laughs> two, two, let me just get all this out and then we can I think what we're seeing the side of the of the gaming company that we're seeing right now is closer to an ad agency, like almost closer to like Mad Men. We're seeing the creatives. We're not seeing the programmers. I think if I think the nerdy side of this is happening down in the programming level, the coders. Well, pop, poppies are, there there's like several coders in what we're mainly seeing though, like the writers and, and I and walking around with, you know, I coming up with all those ideas. I see this more as like the creative side, like an ad age agency. Okay. Silicon Valley to me was much more. No, these are the guys actually like building these things and, and much more like a nerdy nerd porn show. Hmm. I feel like, I feel like the people in mythic quest are. Ian's not a nerdy character. Uh, he's he's not nerdy, but he's the same thing as. Can you see my point though? How gaming is almost intersectional, but yeah, like but that, be, between Silicon Valley and Mad Men, it's almost like we're coming in the middle here. Totally, but that was actually my original point. Oh. Was like this is the mountain of nerdum. Like nerdum has won. It is cool <laughs> <has> fully. <laughs> I'm sorry, I missed your point. No, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not mad at you. No, uh, yeah, I, I, so. I think I think I thought you were saying have they just made Silicon Valley cool and I see it more as yeah the the mountain didn't come to Muhammad that they really it's like this cross genre thing here you know yeah yeah I guess my point was more that like this is represents the full melding of all these cultures to into the one thing and there's no longer a battle it is now the it's like cool the difference between do. Uh, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. Yeah. Like this, sort of. this is that. This is like Poppy and Ion. Yeah. Yeah, jo- sure. Jobs and Wozniak. Like what can, what can Ion actually do? What do you do? Which is Wozniak's big question to Steve Jobs. What do you do? Sure. In the movie, at least. Not, Steve, Ion can't actually do anything. He just comes up with these amazing ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I also think part of my point is like, like, I, I mean, it's worth mentioning because I don't have a question about it, but like my favorite episode of this show is the LARP. One, one of my favorite episodes, at least, is the LARPing episode oh, where if you're going to say, I mean, if you're going to call like <laughs> really loving uh, fantasy and like Renaissance festivals and stuff nerdy. Then yeah, I think I was thinking more like computer. Hold on, what, uh, look, I, I use the term affectionately, but what would you call? I'm not that? saying you, you're saying you're not it calling it nerdy. I wasn't even thinking of that side of it, but like getting into the um, oh the the culture of like a middle age type game. Larping's definitely like a an it's it's nerdy, but. I think I was thinking more of the day-to-day things. The, 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 the LARPing episode is, is great, um, yeah. but it does kind of stand alone in my mind for sure. It's like, but it's like the full thing, the full thing is like, these are the sort of people that would do this sort of thing. It's a little bit like how, like uh, it's a little bit like stranger things, how they, you know, it's cool that these kids play dungeons and dragons, which at that time was not cool at all. But um, yeah, if those kids existed now, they'd be fine. And, um, I am not, I, I, I don't even, I'm not even insecure about it. I, I hope it's clear. I'm not putting a judgment on any of those activities. It's actually all those are fairly could be mainstream at this point, but that's, that's sort of my point is that, you know, we've, we've hit peak culture where it's just like, yeah, you can have a show based on like, um, 
a LARPing episode and yeah. it's an insanely good episode. And the effects in that episode are awesome. You know, oh, like I loved every, it. everything about that episode is awesome. They pulled all the stops out for that episode. Am I reading into this or is this show single-handedly tackling lone wolfism? And what I mean by that is a lot of shows have this hero where Ian would be the hero, mm-hmm. the Steve Jobs who like developed Apple and like all of this is the story of a man who came up with an idea and, and executed it and is the hero of this story. But most of this ends up being like how much all these people need each other. So it's really interesting, especially in the tech environment to have a show that sort of explores tech where usually it'd be like Mark Zuckerberg, just like every one of these like people who is uh, made into a hero because of their development of this, this show kind of pulls that all apart and says, look at the team. You need the whole team. Everybody needs each other. Like, and so I just, it, is that part of this show's agenda? Do you feel like, or did, is this a takeaway for you? Yeah, I think, I think so. Obviously I think so. I think it's more about, um, almost like sharing the glory of the, um, uh, the great thing that they've created. Like, it's not, it's not just like, we know it's pretty clear. Ian could not have created this game by himself. Right. But he came up Although with Although he doesn't exactly know that, but it's the process of him working through that. He does he, know that he couldn't have like coded it. He does know that, right? He do, he does know that, but he thinks his job was the most important. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think there's a little bit of that going on. What job is the most important? Yeah. And kind of sharing the, you know, cause he's up in this, he's got this big office and um, even like David's character I love the reoccurring joke. No, I'm actually the boss. I'm the boss here. <laughs> yeah. Ian works for me. You know, like that yeah. is something that like rolls through the whole episode, but like Ian thinks he's the boss and he kind of treats everyone like he's the boss. And I think there is, yeah. So yes, they're, they're definitely working through a, how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. And the idea is great. But an idea is just an idea. If you can't, you know, bring people along with you and um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you're onto something there for sure. I guess my last question would be, sometimes we talk about the, what do we do with the show? Is it sort of a casual one? It seems like not exactly a sit down and watch it immediately when it comes out. Um, it, but it's not exactly a casual watch where you just throw it on the background. And don't pay any attention. So like, what do we do with this show? I watch it while I'm working. Okay. But it's almost a can't watch this while you're working. Right. It's, it's but almost it's not that. exactly not that. Yeah. Like a sitcom is a hundred percent. Watch this while you're working. Burn through some, burn through some sods. But yeah. this, this, especially if you want to get the most from this show, it's not really a watch while you're working show. I think, sure. I think you would miss some, some crucial things and um, yeah, it wouldn't hit as hard in the right places. Yeah, I think my thing to say about it is basically that it's one of the benefits is its casual nature. And so you can yeah. throw it on and not feel like you have to be completely invested in what's going on in the show, but it's still within that framework, a very enjoyable show. Yeah. So um, that's part of the beauty of it. You don't have to like sell out and uh, drop everything and watch it. Um, I think it's, it's a, very it's similar casual. to like a, to like a lasso shrinking, like, you could almost line them up on a Friday night and be like, boom, boom, boom. And I think that would feel a little more. Oh, they do fit together. Well, probably. yeah. Like I think you could literally, you know, I don't know if all the Apple TV plus shows come out at the same time. I know they don't all air at the same time, but like, I think literally you could watch these in succession and I think they would, you would be in like a similar mood and it's not like yeah. watching something super heavy. And then, no, that's true. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, Brandon, what have you been watching lately? So a whole lot of Mythic Quest, a whole lot. I I was actually thinking about how I'm pretty much in current time when we come up on an episode. Like I pretty much have a week to do all the watching I needed to do for a show, which 
works out fine sometimes doesn't work out great with other shows like anytime we've done any any bigger sitcoms like seinfeld it's like you just need longer than a week um so that pretty much occupied my time this week um the one thing i will say the mandalorian's back Mm. i have a quick hit coming out on it it'll be out already but uh march 7th it'll be a quick hit on the mandalorian and um I'd really love to rope you in. I know you said you were kind of cold on you, you were kind of you were sleeping on the first season. Um I think this show is much more like Star Wars than Andor. So sure. I can I can see how um but uh Pedro Pascal does the the he does the main character. And I know you were mm-hmm. talking about how everyone has a mask on, so who cares if it's Pedro or whoever else. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think we are in for a, a treat this season as well. Episode 1 was great. And I'm excited about excited about where where we go. So I'm actually not current on any of the shows I'm normally current on. Hmm. Didn't watch Last of Us. Did I did watch Shrinking, which another another great episode. Several, yeah, last two were awesome. <sighs> so good, so good. Anyway, what have you been watching? Okay, yeah. So I'm up to date on Shrinking. Yeah, awesome. I finished Full Swing. I can't remember if I said that or not, but I finished season two of Make or Break, mm. which was great. Again, really fun to watch. I'm current on Poker Face, which remains very good. The most recent episode of, of Poker Face was directed by Dang it, why am I blanking on Ryan her name? Johnson? Oh. oh, she. Um, what is her? Why am I blanking on her name? Oh, the main girl. The yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be able to help you there. Natasha Leon. Um, she directed the most recent episode. Um, and I'm current on hello tomorrow, still trying to figure out whether I think that's good or not. I'm actually not sure it's been fine to watch. I just can't tell what the story is exactly trying to do. And so, um, still it's a wait and see on that one. I started drive to survive. I do want to say this about drive to survive as much as I hate to say it. Um, it, this season feels a little more, a little bit like more of the same, like it's the same problem every single time. This season seemed a little more uneventful yeah, than last season, just because it was some of the things were like a foregone conclusion at some point. It just, yeah. I think the first few episodes were a little more action packed and then I don't know, things kind of settled into place really early and you're like, okay, you know, like you just, you kind of knew it was going to happen. But even like, um, everybody falls. So, so it's not interesting to me at all that Mercedes is struggling. Like, I don't, I don't care that much. Um, obviously they're, and they were struggling the, yeah. uh, Yeah. And then, um, yeah. Haas sucks. Okay. Don't give me another episode about how Haas sucks and is dysfunctional. Like I I would love to know how they choose who they're going to feature. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Because so like. Williams sucks, yeah. but but there's not an episode on Williams this season. Well, I mean, they have a, like a sort of like a internal, like a joke about how gun or what, uh, what's the Gunther? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gunther is like very, he's good on TV. And so, but then also if Williams doesn't sign on to be on the show, right. Then can't be on the show. I know. So I'm just, I'm curious why not? Like maybe they don't think it's worth, maybe the, the experience, the publicity is well, not good for them or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to be Haas right now. Like the show just makes you look like idiots. Basically. I know that. Um, so Mercedes was like barely in it in this season. It yeah. was, it was not just not, a, they had a lot of problems. I think they were like over the whole Netflix thing. Yeah. Um, of course, Red Bull was featured a lot. We saw yeah. a lot more Ferrari. I think Mercedes and Ferrari kind of swapped. We yeah. saw a lot more Ferrari, a lot less Mercedes. Yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting how they've moved from the middle of the pack, like season one and two featured the middle pack teams yep. much more than these later seasons have been. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, is it because of Red Bull Lewis Hamilton was winning everything and he was, wasn't even in it. No season one was almost no Lewis Hamilton yep. and almost no Ferrari. It was more. It was uh, Renault back then, yep. Alpine now, and then the Red Bull. I th- I wonder if like Red Bull is the main because Maybe. they're they're featured a lot. Yeah, for sure. They and it's not just because they're the best. Because way back in season one, they weren't the best. You know. Yeah. So by the I way, know. I just read today that Daniel Ricardo signed on with Red Bull as their yeah. third driver. Yeah, 
I, I heard that. Which I don't know exactly what that means, but whatever. It means he'll never, <laughs> he'll never yeah, race. He'll, he'll never drive. Yeah. Um, but he probably wasn't anyway, so that's fine. No. Okay, so I heard now we talked about uh, full swing and drive yep. to survive, I mm-hmm. and make or break. Those are all by the same company, and I just heard like yesterday. There's a tennis version of that show, which I don't know if I'm going to watch. <laughs> I just can't tell if I care that much. But uh, there's a tennis version of that show also on Netflix. I can't remember what it's called. Interesting. But I, yeah. Um, okay. The final thing I want to talk about is I checked out, like I said, last episode, I had watched like maybe one or two episodes of the consultant and here is your payoff. If you were upset that we rip on, we ripped on, uh, Jennifer Coolidge for her set look seeming the same in every episode, because I am now prepared after watching the consultant to say Christoph Waltz plays the same character in everything he's ever in. and. It now BS. It just now became annoying to me. I do not like the consultant at all. I thought it was a very bad show. There's a couple of good performances in it, but it's just I just did not like it at all. I thought the story was ridiculous, and it's apparently based off some book that was very popular. But I I did not like the story. Didn't like I didn't like Christoph Waltz's performance, and I basically tuned in to try and see his performance, but. I am now used mm. to his goofy, like off-putting uh, vibe, mm-hmm. which is the same in every single show, and unnerving. When, yeah, but it's not unnerving anymore when you've already been unnerved by it. It's like, oh, I know you're being weird on purpose. It's so. unnerving when you're Jewish running around under the floorboards. Yes. Yeah, I'm not saying he wasn't effective in some of the shows he was in. I'm just saying he plays the same character. I know, I know what you're saying. I just, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would say don't even check out the consultant. Which I can't tell how much they're marketing it, but it kind of came out as I forget. You had said basically like it's their version of what? It's their oh succession. It's a it's they've got it labeled as their black comedy. I mean that was like their big push. This is a, and you said it was there was nothing. Zero humor and nothing. I mean, there is a little bit, but it's not like successions humor. Well, that like that is what the the marketing felt like to me. Like they were pushing it as their answer to HBO's um, succession. So, but also it's very clear what succession is ripping on. Yeah. Well, and I'm not exactly, there's a little bit, I might understand of what the consultants ripping on, but I am just not sure who they're poking fun at really. Hmm. It's so ridiculous. Like succession is borderline completely believable. And the consultant is so ridiculous. I don't even know what they're doing. So it really bothered me, but I'm not like you and I will finish a show no matter what is going on. I have to, it's not true. I was just joking. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. You didn't finish Mythic Quest. I'm still watching Mythic Quest. Well, we're done with the episode now, though. But me not finishing it and me not finishing it in time is different. Sure. Okay, we'll wait and see on that. We'll wait and see on that one. If I finish it? Okay. Well, I just, yeah. We'll put a pin in it. Yeah, put a pin in it. Okay. We gotta figure out how to end. That does it for this episode of Good Show. Good Show is created, recorded, edited, and produced by Anthony Mako and Brandon Sharp. Our theme music was written and recorded by me, Anthony, and all our graphics and socials are developed by Brandon. If you've enjoyed your time with us, please make sure to like or follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And if you appreciate our show, please throw us a rating and a review there too. If you'd like to discuss any of our content, you can search The Good Show Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at The Good Show Podcast. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.